Dr. Andre Villeneuve, an associate professor, theologian, and biblical scholar at Sacred Heart Major Seminary in Detroit, was in Jerusalem visiting David's tomb with a group of seminarians when they were met with animosity from a local. It's a very small room, you know, and there is what something that looks like a coffin. It, probably David is actually not buried there, but, you know, we had, there were a few Orthodox Jews that were, playing, that were praying, and then one of them turns around and says, kind of in a very irate or cross way, he said, you can look, but you can't pray here. This wasn't Dr. Villeneuve's first encounter with this type of hostility. After 12 years living in the Holy Land, including several years as a Messianic Christian, and years studying and teaching Hebrew, he was well accustomed to the tension between the three primary religions in the Holy Land. And so I started asking questions in Hebrew, because I, I speak Hebrew, and, uh, and then he became really hostile, and he said, uh, uh, I, I guess he saw a cross on, I don't think it was one of my seminarians, but one, someone who walked in here, and he said, we don't need any idols in here, and, um, you know, we're... Uh, he was very upset that, that someone was introducing idols from his perspective into uh, the tomb of David. He said, this is a sacred site and we want to keep it sacred and we don't need your, your idols in here. And so I, I just asked him, well, listen, I mean, calm down a bit. Aren't you supposed to be, and I kind of know the Old Testament, so I go, well, aren't you supposed to be a light to the nations as Israel? And, you know, what about a little bit of politeness and respect? Because he was very aggressive. And then he also appeared to the Old Testament. He said, listen, the, the Lord says we should love good and hate evil. And when we see false religions come in here, we, have, we should be resisting them and opposing them. Two men appealing to the same sacred text, the same God, and yet, as Andre will attest, seeming insurmountable hurdles to reaching an understanding. The history of Jewish-Christian relationship is not pretty. It may not be pretty, but Dr. Villeneuve's unique history in one world, his grasp of the Hebrew language, and his position teaching the future generation of church leaders and priests puts him in a unique position to create a bridge between two groups of people, or, to use the analogy St. Paul used in Romans 11, two branches of the same olive tree. Welcome to Detroit Stories, a podcast on a mission to boldly share the stories of the people and communities in Southeast Michigan. These are the stories that fascinate and inspire us. Does your bank make you feel like you belong there? At Alliance Catholic Credit Union, you are a member of a financial institution that serves the Catholic community, providing you with an opportunity to align your banking with your Catholic identity. You receive all the products and services you need to manage your money, and your membership helps support Catholic schools, parishes, and organizations. It's time to put your money where your faith is. Visit AllianceCatholic.com to get started today. Service. Community. Catholic. Alliance Catholic Credit Union. Federally insured by the NCUA. Dr. Andre Villeneuve is an associate professor at Sacred Heart Major Seminary, where his deep passion for what he teaches, sacred scripture, Old Testament, and biblical languages, came to him through a divergent path, namely, another religion. I was born in Ottawa, Canada, grew up there, but traveled quite a bit. I lived when I was small. My dad used to work for the uh, Canadian External Affairs, which is the U.S. equivalent of the Secretariat of State. And so I lived in Switzerland and Senegal when I was small, and then uh, and then uh, stayed in uh, in in uh, in 
the Quebec side of Ottawa in Canada for a number of years, went to high school there and then basically left Canada in the 90s, moved to Europe, to Austria to study jazz saxophone, which is my previous life, my previous uh, mm, passion. I mean, it still is a great love. Andre in his 20s considered himself agnostic while he had been raised Catholic. I can't say I was well, well catechized or evangelized, and so this led to a type of agnosticism. I did not become completely anti-Catholic, uh, at least at that stage. But it was like, okay, yeah, is there God? Is there no God? I'm, I'm not sure. I was on the type of search for truth. And let's be honest, our search for truth is not always, we're not always searching for truth. Sometimes we're running away from truth because this uh, truth makes demands on us. It makes moral demands. It makes uh, demands on, on who we are, what we choose to prioritize and what we choose to be important. But what he chose to be important started to change after he moved to Austria to study jazz saxophone. While there, he volunteered with a Christian humanitarian organization assisting war refugees in Croatia and Bosnia during the Civil War where his experience led to a dramatic conversion to Christ. And so I had a conversion through a, a bit of an evangelical Protestant church and became very convicted that Christ is a solution for this, this world, for this hurting and confused world, that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and he is the way, the truth, and the life, and that he is, uh, that we all need a savior, we are all sinners, and that we, uh, it's, it's prideful to to try to figure things out on our own, right? And the whole the the, the essential premise of the biblical message is that uh, we can't really do that on our own. That we need someone to to grant us forgiveness and to grant us transformation and and sanctification and so on. So that was my first step to understand. I, I did read a lot of apologetics. It was not just an emotional-based conversion, but it was also very intellectual. Who is the person of Jesus and what difference does he make? For Andre, this conversion meant pursuing truth with abandon. He abandoned the snow-capped peaks and Gothic churches of Austria for the highlands and cupolas of Israel to pursue biblical studies at the Hebrew University in Jerusalem. I ended up spending 12 years of my life in Israel, mostly in Jerusalem, a little bit in Tel Aviv. And while living in Israel, I got involved with the Messianic Jewish movement for a number of years. Messianic Judaism is a religious movement born in the 1960s and 70s that combines evangelical Christian beliefs with some elements of Judaism and Jewish traditions. Yeah, it's a fascinating movement. Uh, its origins I mean, all the first Christians were Messianic Jews in a certain sense, right? They were Jews, Peter, Paul, all the apostles, all the first Christians were Jews, and therefore they were Jews who believed in the Messiah. And Messianic comes from Messiah, which means anointed one in Hebrew, and in Greek it's Christos, right? So Christian and Messianic really means the same thing. So all the first Christians were Messianic Jews, and then they had to decide, what do we do with these Gentiles who are now coming into the church? And that's the Acts of the Apostles, chapter 15, the, the Jerusalem Council. So there's always been Jewish believers in Jesus, but they kind of went almost underground since the third, fourth century, and the church obviously predominantly was composed of Gentiles. And we see a type of resurgence and rebirth kind of in the 19th century, which happened mostly on the Protestant side, but you also have many Catholics who were Jewish Catholics. And that really accelerated in the 20th century with the return of the Jews to the land of Israel and the refounding of the state of Israel in 1948. So what's the premise of the Messianic Jews? 
many of them, even in the 1970s, the Jesus movement here in the U.S., we had many Jews who had some kind of an encounter with uh, Jesus, the Messiah of Israel, Yeshua, as they know him, uh, Messiah of Israel. Some of them had some kind of dream or revelation or vision. Some of them came to encounter Christ through just reading the scriptures, reading the Old Testament, such as, for example, Isaiah 53, the suffering servants in Isaiah 53. Many of them, I've heard so many testimonies, many of them said, I thought I was the only Jew in the world who believed that Jesus is the Messiah. And then lo and behold, there are many more than, than you would have thought. So what's their premise? They have encountered Jesus as the Messiah of Israel, but they are really ambivalent about Christianity. They like Orthodox Jews, they feel very uncomfortable with, with the way that Christians have treated them. They feel very uncomfortable with the symbols in churches, especially in Catholic churches. So the crucifixes, the crosses, the, uh, the statues, the iconography. So, and most of the time, if they've been evangelized, they've been evangelized by evangelical Protestants who bring along their evangelical theology. So what you end up having is a movement of Jewish believers in Jesus who accept most of the Protestant pillars of the faith, including Sola Scriptura. So Scripture is the only foundation for truth, not tradition. Andre threw himself into his new religious movement, even serving as a worship leader in a messianic community in Tel Aviv. But his ingrained hunger for truth started to gnaw at him, pointing out the cracks in his newfound belief system. But I started becoming, uh, I guess, frustrated by kind of the doctrinal anarchy that you have in Messianic Jewish congregations. Because you have no ultimate arbiter of truth, everybody just reads the Bible, and then you're influenced by evangelical theology, you have all these kind of ideas, nobody really agrees on what's a, a valid baptism, what's the Lord's Supper, is it just a remembrance? Is it just a symbol? Is it actually the body and blood of Christ? What to do with sacraments? What to do with Torah? So some Messianic Jews say we should still observe the, the, the commandments of the, the law, which means the 613 commandments. Others say no, that Christ has done away with that. So you end up with just a lot of confusion. And so I respect their desire to affirm their identity and say, we are not changing our religion. We're still Jews who believe in the Jewish Messiah. But it also leads to pretty chaotic theology, and ideas have consequences. In the midst of this confusion, Andre found himself attracted to the Catholic Church, to its firmness and certainty, to the catechism, to the ability to interpret scripture authoritatively and to have answers for what is right and wrong. Most profoundly, he found himself drawn to the sacraments, seeing them as a clear institution of Christ's to give us grace. So I started reading more Catholic theology. I started reading the Catechism. I started reading Catholic uh, history. And, um, and at the same time, observing around me what's going on in Messianic congregations. And I just started noticing more and more just prejudice, anti-Catholic prejudice in these Messianic congregations. On the one hand, I'm reading the Catechism and I'm having these conversations. So, you know, where does the Bible ever say that everything we need to know is in the Bible? So I would actually verbalize those questions. That was very upsetting to question Sola Scriptura is, uh, is serious business, right, among evangelicals, or to say, how do we know that we're saved by faith alone? Doesn't James say that, therefore, you are saved by your works and not by faith alone? And, uh, you know, I would encounter things like, well, actually, when you read the Catechism, Catholics don't worship Mary or pray to statues. This is just a caricature. And then... 
some people around me in those Messianic congregations, no, no, everybody knows that Catholics worship Mary, that she's kind of like, like a goddess. And I said, but no, it says it right here that they, they don't. They love her and venerate her as the mother of Jesus. And if even if they call her mother of God, it doesn't mean that she preceded God. It's just a term to say that Jesus in her womb was, was divine. And so the more I was confronted with actually what the church teaches, plus this kind of irrational prejudice on the part of many, not all Messianic Jews that I was with, it just started ringing, ringing hollow. And I started to see that the, the church had actually a really strong case for truth, despite the undeniable history of serious problems. And as we know, the church is is uh, holy, but uh, always in need of sanctification, also made up of sinners. So you don't need to deny the uh, the sins and the failures of Catholics to still recognize that the, the church communicates the fullness of truth. Andre came back to the Catholic Church in 2002. He worked for the Hebrew-speaking Catholic community in Jerusalem and Tel Aviv as a catechist, and later for the Commission for Pilgrimages and the Christian Media Center in Jerusalem. He went on to get his master's in theology and catechetics at the Franciscan University of Steubenville, and later his PhD in religious studies at the Hebrew University in Jerusalem. His experiences placed him in a unique position to reach both Catholics and Jews and give them better understanding of the other faith, a position where he's apt to convert Jewish believers and help the church to be a place to welcome Jews home. When I teach my seminarians at the seminary, I try to raise awareness of this, this dynamic that we owe a lot to the Jewish people and we want to be humble in recognizing that every, everything we've had, we've received from the people of Israel. Yeah, and we should love and cherish their traditions as well. It doesn't mean accept, accepting or agreeing everything that is taught in Judaism because some of it is in opposition to Christianity. They've developed themselves very much to try to assert their identity um, in contrast to Christianity, but this, there's still so much to, to learn and so much that is beautiful and good and true. Everything he learned in the Holy Land has taught him that a relationship between Jews and Christianity is far more complex than most Christians are aware of. And for many Jews, the wounds experienced at the hand of Christianity are still deeply felt. So many Christians are unaware of this, but the history of Jewish-Christian relationship is not pretty, starting with the Church Fathers that has been a lot of uh, very hostile theology and legislation, discriminatory legislation against Jews, which led to pogroms in the Middle Ages and expulsions. So most Jews were actually kicked out of the countries where they lived in Western Europe. They were completely um, banished. The entire Jewish populations in England, France, Portugal, Spain, 1492, all Jews were banished from, from Spain and they had to, to leave. And uh, we have the, uh, there's still bad feelings about the Crusades in Israel, about what the Crusaders did, uh, putting to death Muslims and Jews when they arrived in Jerusalem. And those who are educated know that the Holocaust was not a Christian phenomenon, but they raise the question that they say that centuries of Christian anti-Semitism basically prepared Europe for this genocide of the Jewish people. And so many of them very much see a connection between the Holocaust and Christianity. And that is very strange for Christians and for Catholics, but from the Jewish perspective, there's still a lot of wounds and also the attempts at converting the, the Jewish people, which is seen as a type of spiritual genocide. It's like you tried to kill us with a physical genocide and the Holocaust, and now by trying to missionize us and make us abandon the roots of our 
of our faith, now you're trying to commit a spiritual genocide. So there's a wide gap and a wide chasm between how we see things between uh, Catholics and Jews. Though there's been also a lot of healing and reconciliation to some degree, but there's still lots of work to be done. You know, there's a lot of misunderstandings on what they think about us and when their perspective is that we've been persecuted by those who engage in idolatry for 2,000 years, uh, it, it actually takes a long time to, to overcome this. And so even in this age of information, there is still a lot of uh, ignorance about from one side to the other. But Dr. Villeneuve feels hopeful about unleashing the gospel to the Jewish people. Can we, while remaining faithful to what the church is, of course, and everything that we've received through tradition and through the catechism, can we make the church a more welcoming place for uh, Jewish people who are interested in, in encountering the Messiah and receiving the fullness of His grace and of the Holy Spirit in the sacraments? Uh, can we make it a more welcoming place so that they are able to, uh, to remain faithful to their own traditions? We are always called to a deeper conversion and uh, to deeper faithfulness into what the Lord is calling us to, whether Jews or Christians. In addition to studying and teaching about the Jewish roots of the Catholic faith, leading pilgrimages to the Holy Land, and authoring various books and academic papers on the subject, today, Dr. Villeneuve is passionate about fostering the reconciliation of the Church and Israel, particularly through the work of a nonprofit organization, Catholics for Israel, and by engaging in a dialogue with anyone who's willing. He believes the Catholic Church can only be made richer by remembrance of our fraternity with the Jews and creating a space for inclusion in our church. St. Paul, who grieves, who still loves his people, and he says in Romans 9 to 11, has God rejected his people? By no means. I'm myself an Israelite, says St. Paul. But he also lives in the confidence that all Israel will be saved. And he grieves at their current rejection of of the Messiah, by and large, because we know that at every point in history, some Israelites, some Jews have received uh, and have believed in Jesus as Messiah. But he, is, he expects them at some point in history before the, the second coming that Israel will turn to the Messiah. And you know, even the church expects that. If you look at the Catechism of the Catholic Church, paragraph 674, it says that the glorious coming of the Messiah, or Christ's second coming, is suspended until his recognition by all Israel. And so there is still this expectation grounded in the promises of the prophets of the New Testament and the teachings of the church that Israel will recognize their Messiah. But perhaps this is going to require a conversion of the church first if we are to expect the outpouring of the Spirit upon the people of Israel. Perhaps we need to become more humble and more appreciative of that we have our own roots in the people of Israel. As you can see in Romans 11, Paul has this beautiful analogy of the olive tree, saying, you wild branches were the Gentiles. Don't become arrogant or proud because you have found the Messiah, but be humble because you're still grafted into this olive tree of Israel. And even if some of their branches were cut off and you were grafted in, God can, can still cut you off. And God has the power to graft in those natural branches who are the Jewish people. Detroit Stories is a production of Detroit Catholic and the Communications Department of the Archdiocese of Detroit. Find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or wherever you get your podcasts. Does your bank make you feel like you belong there? At Alliance Catholic Credit Union, 
You are a member of a financial institution that serves the Catholic community, providing you with an opportunity to align your banking with your Catholic identity. You receive all the products and services you need to manage your money, and your membership helps support Catholic schools, parishes, and organizations. It's time to put your money where your faith is. Visit AllianceCatholic.com to get started today. Service. Community. Catholic. Alliance Catholic Credit Union. Federally insured by the NCUA.